Hello and welcome back to a young edition, birthday edition too, of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Marcus Thompson in the building for probably, you know, I'm not sure it's the Warriors' best win of the season when you look at like big comeback over the Clippers, big comeback over the Lakers. Like they have some some signature wins on their ledger, but considering all that went into this Utah Jazz win, it's probably the most encouraging win of the season, considering just all the components of it. Would you agree? I think, yeah, I think losing four in a row had changes all that stuff. Uh, the other ones were big wins, but they weren't as desperate. They weren't as needed. They were staring at going. Well, if they lose this, they'd been uh, nineteen and twenty. Yeah, they're looking at a couple games under five hundred facing the Lakers tomorrow. So. These were kind of desperate times, and it wasn't. I think the, the 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 part that really makes it stand out. It wasn't just Steph going nuts, right? It was, it was almost the most complete performance of the season, where you had contributions all over the place, and they looked like the quote unquote team that they envisioned to be. So this one, this one definitely gives them a little hope for uh for a little while anyway. It, it's it's. I also think it is this moment for the Warriors, this transitional phase they're in. And, I'm, you know, you can zoom out and, and look at the this complete transitional phase they're in, which is trying to fuse this Wiseman young group together with the Curry aging star. But also in this current moment where you have Wiseman, I mean, where you have Curry and Draymond who, you know, they want to make the playoffs. They want to make noise. They want to get a crack at whoever in the first round, the Jazz, the, you know, one of the LA teams. Like, they they still care about this season. Meanwhile, you have a Warriors franchise, clearly, who is saying, yeah, this season matters. We want to win, but they need to prioritize the future more than the present. And that includes, obviously, during the All-Star break, they've decided on this complete rotational change, which pulls Wanamaker from the rotation, which pulls Damian Lee from the rotation, which which shrinks away the prioritization of veterans who maybe can potentially help win more in the moment for Mannion, Poole, and Wiseman. And if they come out tonight and, you know, they're facing basically the best, I'll call it the best second unit in basketball, but it's, you know, the Jazz open the second quarter with Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson on the floor. That's two all-stars and maybe the sixth man against this new unit, which, you know, seem very exploitable. Which is not, not the best second unit in basketball, not, right? Not the best. Well, yeah, we'll say that. Not the best second unit in basketball. But, you know, um, in both the second quarter and the fourth quarter, it starts, and you're basically – you can I can imagine what Curry and Draymond are sitting over there thinking. They, they feel like they need this win, right? It's a desperate point of the season, having lost four straight, trying to reestablish themselves. And they're watching the Warriors – very much prioritize developmental minutes and maybe lose the game because of it. And because of the way Mannion, Wiseman, and Poole together stabilized both of those stints, turned it from basically a disaster minus 11 to like a minus three on the first one. And again, I think the lead got down to like two in the fourth quarter and they bumped it all the way back up to like five or six when Curry comes back in. And the way they stabilize it and, and show glimpses of what they can be offensively and why maybe there's not even just more promise in that young second unit for the future, obviously, but also even in the immediate, like they just scored the way the Wanamaker Damian Lee second unit can't really score. Um, And so with that as such a part of this win is why it just felt important. It felt like those young guys proved, Hey, they couldn't be part of a big one. And it was a big one. It was, it was so dramatic too, right? Like they started off getting wallops like Rocky. And, you know, then and showed some like resolve and some fight Uh, the first time that that league got pretty close to being gone. And then they built it back up kind of. I think you tweeted out that, you know, Poole and Mannion saved that, saved that outing. Right. And I think they were minus three, but it was a a good showing. It was like hella dramatic. (laughs) It was, you know, there's there was a tension about this second unit that's kind of been building and. We really were kind of watching to see if this was going to be like a full-on tank for the rest of the year, or if this, if this, you know, second unit like had something for you. And I know didn't it feel like it was going to be decided? Yeah, in this it, felt, game, it sure did, right? It was like, all right, so either they're either they're done and they're giving up by putting this unit out there, or they're onto something, right? And they probably should have done this sooner. And for a moment there, it looked like that, like they were done, especially once, what was it, an 11-point lead after one? 
it was gone quick. It was like okay, it went down to like two or one. Like, yeah, it was, in it was a insane. It's like oh, here you On go again. Easy Utah buckets, <laughs> right? It was just like pick and roll, flop it over there to Rudy Gobert, easy dunk. Like Mike Conley, get him on an iso- get Wiseman on an isolation, scoop by for a layup. It was like oh, this is going quickly. But they bounced back. They they kind of yeah. fought, and you know, Nico just played with like a command and a control of the game that you just didn't see from Wanamaker. Uh, the way Jordan Poole just kind of looked like, yo, I got this, was a, just a vibe you don't, you just didn't get from second unit guys, right? You just don't get that from Mulder or from Damian Lee, where he's just like, yo, give me the rock. I'm about to get this bucket. There was something just a little bit refreshing about it. Uh, maybe Utah wasn't all the way there, right? Maybe they, uh, they've been struggling on the road lately. Uh, they they haven't been the top top team that their record indicates. So maybe maybe it's something was that, but you you can put every qualifier in it. And the point is, them dudes took advantage in a way that you just you just don't see that much. So I I, I think you're absolutely right. I felt like it was all in the balance right there. Like it was it. This is what <laughs> this is what we were because the other option was Steve Kerr. What was he going back to? Where's he turning to? What's next? Like that. This is it. You go, you go back to Watermaker and 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 Molder. I don't know if that would be considered trying to save the season. So they might have some tough times. But man, that did feel like it was all on the line right there. Yeah, and you know, I think too often we we discuss this like you know uh, this developmental prioritization as something that, oh, it's going to help the 2024 Warriors, but what about the Steph Curry Warriors? Um, and, you know, when we talk about, when we discuss potentially, you know, trading Wiseman or, or, or in the Minnesota pick and whatever, yeah, sure, to get Curry more win now help. But I think as we talk about it in this season, I think sometimes we forget, like, you could develop and make James Wiseman a much better player for you this season. Jordan Poole, a much better player for you this season. And then suddenly you're a better team than you were yeah. a month ago. Yeah. And you were never going to get that growth from Brad Wanamaker, from Kavon Looney. So it's like, prioritizing development sometimes isn't punting the season. It's literally just maybe going through some growing pains in the immediate to be better in April, in May. Um, and James Wiseman tonight, like that's a player that can help you now. Like I understand all of his flaws, but you know, 16 points again. And those if just you can't use that, points. that's on you kind of, right? Like yeah. <laughs> if you can't make that work for you, like he's not the perfect player, but geez, man, he like, I, if they can't use that, they don't deserve it. I mean, that's the way I see yeah. it. Yeah, and and the long term, you know, big time potential should be discussed, and 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 spotlight is certainly on the developmental staff to get him to you know his ceiling wherever that happens to be over the next four or five six seasons. But use him now, like you said today, and and some of that's on him, and you know, I kind of was wish we could have had a, had a chance to talk after the. Um, you know, benching for the, for the COVID stuff. Cause I would, you know, a lot of people were kind of maybe criticizing the decision to suspend him, but I go back to you talking about when they benched him and you're like, you know, if he can't get through this type of stuff, then he's not who you Facts. thought he was going to be. And him getting through that, obviously having the fourth quarter he had. And then tonight he just, he, he's, he looks more alert. He looks more physical, a little bit more motivated coming into the second half. And he caught, caught a couple of nice, uh, tough passes today. Which was a good sign. I mean, he had the the Kelly Oubre little lo- f- uh, over the top on a fast break, which he kind of one hand snagged for a layup, and then Poole really threw like a really low bounce pass, which he, he that snagged, was a you like, my homie rip- pass, huh? Like yeah. you gonna get <laughs> yeah, you gonna get this ripped one. through a guard and then layup. And, and Steve Kerr mentioned like what he is like if he does catch the ball, he's such an easy scorer. It's just such a quick two points if he gets it anywhere near the rim. Just the way he glides to the rim, obviously his dunk radius is ridiculous. He's got soft touch. He showed it tonight. I mean, I don't know. He had maybe one or two dunks, but like most of it was soft touch, sometimes in traffic, one time over Gobert, um, two times over Gobert, a floater over Gobert, and then like a rebound putback. So, yeah, utilize him. Utilize him, and you will be better now if you utilize him better. What? Like this idea that playing him is giving up the season, it's just not true. Like they, if they maximize him, they're better this season. Oh, without question. I mean, some of them shots, yo, it's still it's still very confusing to me how he can have such touch and hand eye coordination. You like you know, like these are like hot passes, close quarter, and he's catching and finishing like over Gobert. Like 
it's all like boom, boom, boom. And he's he's dropping it in a couple of times. I just like, there's no shot. This is going to go in. Uh, this is a turnover. And somehow he managed to do it. Uh, I mean, we could say this about James Wiseman. That dude has not shown one ounce of not being willing or ready to get better. Like, he's answered the bell every single time. Like, he's he's he seems like he's game for whatever this lesson is going to be and, and how to maximize it. Like, that's, like, say what you want about him, whatever, you, you whatever, pick whatever flaws you want to highlight. This dude has been ready for everything thrown at him or at least willing to respond to everything that's thrown at him. And he look, this is the best he's looked. So there, there's a sense of he's growing, there's progress. And if you just give this dude time and good instruction and just trust him, like he'll, he, it seems like he'll be on, he won't be any worse than this ever, right? And this is already pretty good. This is already for your offense better than what Looney can give you. And I still think there are ways they can kind of maximize that. I don't know how many times they ran a pick and roll with him where he, he got he got the lob. Uh but you could just see him learning on the fly and that that dude's game, man. Like he is game. Uh he you see him there was a couple of times tonight where he like in mid play, he kinda gets on himself for like not catching the ball or whatever, but he's gotta run back, so he's gotta Stop it, it real punches quick. Punches the air. Yeah, he yeah. Does, he does some weird stuff. Out there <laughs> he does, sometimes. right? But 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 man, he stopped. Like he catches himself. He stops the time to get back. So like you could tell he's like learning. You know, uh, there's just man, the dude is just game. Like I respect that as much as anything. Like he is game to improve and to get better. And like none of this stuff seems to be stopping that. So. Um, yeah, I think some of the way they utilize him in the first half can be criticized, and some of the maybe like overloading him with information, maybe trying to make him too like Andrew Bogarty at times, giving him probably too much free reign for post ups that were super inefficient. You know, it's the first half of a player's rookie season; it's always going to be very bumpy. Old, and, yeah. And, yeah, and you and you need to figure out what he's good at and what he's bad at, right? You don't come in with knowledge. Of, you like we were all discovering James Wise, yeah, especially him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what I would say is a good sign, very early sign, but good sign in the second half, as far as we talk about like the the ways they go about developing him, is who they've put him with. You know, I've been calling for them to put him with Jordan Poole for for pick and roll, pick and pop purposes. The fact that he likes playing with Jordan Poole. First of all, he's in the same age bracket, so they're friendly, right? I mean, that's usually how team locker room dynamics work. You know, you 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 gravitate towards somebody who's in your generation. Facts. Um, and he likes Mannion too. He, he and now do they feed him? I didn't every know time? Nico. They, I didn't know Nico was in that mix though. He he definitely looked more in that mix in that pool. Uh, Wiseman mix like he looked like I think, he vibed. I think with he them. could. Yes, for sure. He needs to send Brad Wanamaker a thank you card. He has opened the door. Nico Mania's early career has been opened by Wanamaker. Saved, but res- resuscitated. Yeah. <laughs> 48th overall pick, who's now in a rotation for a team that wants to make the playoffs. But um, I we can get to Mannion. I do want to talk pool with you, but I just think that the fact that they have put Wiseman with Poole and Mannion for 12 minutes every game now and are committed to it, have said they're committed to it, like that shows they're trying to let him play more like he should play. Like he'll be better early in his career at least. So that's a good sign. And they do fit together. Great Uh, sign. I I, I love it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, pool. Um, uh, you know, this is the Suns game was more explosive for him. JP, let's go. But this was bigger, right? Oh, this man. is this is 18 points against the Jazz, big points. He had a fourth quarter three with like four minutes left. They let him close with Curry next to Curry, which provides a very different look in a lineup that they haven't had. And did they find we'll, did they find he, our closing lineup tonight? Did they find it? No, you know, not in every night closing lineup. There's gonna be plenty of nights where you are should not be closing with Jordan Poole Facts. still at age 21. But you know, you look at it's you, you see him on the same court tonight with Jordan Clarkson. 
It's kind of like Jordan Clarkson, isn't he? I mean, I'm not saying he's there yet, but it's something I've talked about with you. Like this, I think he's finding who he is in the league, and who he is in the league is is a very useful rotation type guy that maybe Steve Kerr previously shied away from utilizing, but that's what they have now. And this is, you know, we talk about Wiseman as this developmental project that very much matters for the franchise. Jordan Poole was a first round pick two years ago. His development not only matters. But it's starting to look like like it's got some upside. After a few of them missed too, right? Like after missing on a Damian Jones and missing on a Jacob Evans, so he's yeah, like he's like third strike on the the late first round uh, selections here. But there there were just some things about Jordan Poole's game that again, same with Wiseman. Like if you just can't take advantage of that, then that's kind of on you. Like Jordan Clarkson wasn't this all-world guy right somebody had to put him in a position to be able to take advantage of it and he flourishes in in that setup right he's not being asked to do more than what Jordan Clarkson should do right but you're watching Jordan Poole and yeah he was six for 11 right his jumper looks good his three-point looks confident but it's some of that little stuff man it's like getting the ball and triple threat on the outside and being able to decisively make a move. And he's quick. Like, he's, like, deceptively quick. Like, he, he's drawing fouls because he's blowing by people out of a set position. Like, twice he drew a foul like that. And it's like, they don't really have anybody doing that kind of, you know, where it's like, uh, you know, Steph is kind of the yo-yo. I'm, I'm going to cross you up. Uh, and Wiggins takes his time. Like, he can blow by you, but he doesn't really much. But that that quick get the rock and boom I'm gone so much so you gotta bump me like that's kind of what we see teams do to the Warriors a Donovan Mitchell type do to the Warriors and and Jordan Poole was doing that it was it was a little impressive that he could make something out of nothing his decisiveness and his confidence is insane like it, it is off the charts like he's driving well and at now Gobert. there's substance to it like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was the the when you mentioned that that was a play that stood out in my mind where he, he almost seemed like he had a lane on Gobert and then he stopped and pulled it back out. Yeah, yeah, he and yanked then he it went back, right yeah, back at Gobert <laughs> and finished over him. Like he he couldn't finish over no, last and he's year. remember early over go he like this is what I'm like he mapped out how to attack Gobert and then executed it. Like this is not who Jordan Poole. This is not how he thought. You could see him. He had him. Even Azubuki on the air is like, when he yanks it back, he's like, whoa. <laughs> like, first off, like, where did that handle come from? And then he had him, but he pulls him back out. And, you know, maybe he didn't feel comfortable. But on the second time going, he got ahead of him enough to get that layup up quick. But that's a guy who just mapped out how to get a shot off against arguably the best shot blocker in the game. Like, that, there's a level of confidence and execution like, I mean, just sheer athleticism and ball handling and quickness and, like, jerkiness, right? Like, all of that stuff, Jordan's got it, man. Like, he, he's got it. And once that shot starts falling, once that shot started falling, I, th- I think it helped his confidence. But, yeah, he's a player that – and obviously, look, he's not going to do this every game, right? He's not – sometimes the shot won't fall. Like, you know, sometimes his decision-making will leave you wanting a little bit. Like, that's just the nature of a guy who's putting on new skin. And, and then you know what you do? You pull. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but that dude, Which yeah, yeah you, you, got, you should be able to milk that. You should be able to find some advantage in that. You should be able to find the situation. Like, I'm already seeing if another team puts a bad defender on the floor in the second unit, I'm like, yo, Jordan, cook him. Cook him, but he's going to foul you, or you're gonna blow by him because he's so quick and decisive and efficient with his drives to the basket. Like, so you can start seeing, like, hey, here's how I, I need somebody who could cook this one guy. Who we got? Jordan can do it, right? Like, you, you could just see how they could start using these pieces. And the fact is, they're just better, more diverse pieces. As long as he can shoot, right? If he can shoot, then he's he just giving. He can you more. bail you, yeah. He can bail you out of a bad possession. Oh, pretty, yeah. No question. Know, not off it in. It's not like he's going to be super efficient with it. But, like, you know, there was a few possessions there. He just pulls up from deep where, you know, in the middle of a possession that didn't seem like it was going. Where he and you felt good it's about it, right? You felt good. Yeah, you felt, yeah. <laughs> yeah no question. Um, they just seem 
like uh, you just felt a more dynamic team on the screen today and they've had better games they've had more like veteran like gritty wins and you know bays more at times and the way he's helped them pull out comebacks and you know Wanamaker's had a, a few nights here and there Damian Lee's obviously had big moments but like with the youth the energy you know, obviously a, a better optimized Wiseman just pops off the screen and then the way Poole just scored 18 very smoothly. Like that just feels like a more modern dynamic team. It feels in like a, league a, that's exploding a 2021 team, right? It feels like a team from yeah. today. It, you know, th- this is why to me this win was important because so much when you're dealing with these youngsters, I, I believe this 1,000% is just it's paying attention to what they can do as much or more than you pay attention to what they can't do. And you got a glimpse of what they can do, right? You got a, gl- a glimpse of what is possible. Um, not what's going to happen all the time, but you know, man, if Nico is on his game, like he's got some kind of energy about him that's going to be an impact on the court. Like he pull, he comes down, he, he like pulls up quick on that three, like he probably won't make that all the time, but on the days he's making that shot, you might, right? You might be, you might be, uh, you might be onto something with him. Like there's just an infectiousness about when he's on the court, right? I, I think he's exploitable sometimes on defense. You know that shot is suspect, so he's a guy that you just kind of gotta develop and groom and take your lumps with and learn. But when he's on. <laughs> when Jordan is on, when Wiseman is on, you are seeing what they can do. And I think that's why this was important because they got a vision of what could be possible once they get some consistency. And you look at that now, you just say, yo, in a month, if these dudes keep growing and keep getting better, and especially when they start hitting these stretches where they're playing some of these bad teams, right? They might have a they might have a really good second unit. <laughs> like that that would be a really impressive second unit to run out there if these dudes can get closer to what we've seen today over the course of like the next month plus. So I've obviously been a, propon- a proponent of, of Wiseman Pool together, but I've also thought to that would be Pool three wings Wiseman. I've, the only thing I've questioned is Mannion's addition. Now it's clear why it's Mannion because. Steve Kerr's been pretty open that he just doesn't think Jordan Poole can handle point guard duties in the NBA. He's combo guard. And so the choice is Mannion or Wanamaker. And if that is the choice that Kerr's making, I agree with him. He should go Mannion. Now, I I still am not sure he should play either. It's going to be Jordan Poole, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not with Kerr on the Poole can't play the the point, quote-unquote. But we'll, we'll see. So, so if if we both agree that look, it's gonna be like he's gonna play one of Mannion and Wanamaker because he won't let Jordan Poole be the backup point guard, even if we disagree with him on that. Yeah, it's clear that that's what it's gonna be. We both would then agree that it should be Mannion over Wanamaker. But you are like a Mannion believer. I'm like hearing it w- within your voice, and in the last few games we've talked, what do you, I mean? You really seem to like this guy. I just like like you know he knows how to play hoop, man. Uh, he just knows how to play hoop, um, and sometimes you can you can do enough of those hoop things that just impact the game. Like we, you know, when the war we were watching the Warriors against the Pacers, and like a guy like T.J. McConnell is just not very good, <laughs> but he just knows how to impact games, right? He just knows how to impact games, and I think there's just something a bit like infectious with how Nico plays. Like, he's a point guard, he's a field guy, and it really jumps out on a team that doesn't have a floor general, right? Like, who's the last guy, especially this young, but who's the last guy when when Steph is out of the game or, like, Andre and you know is out of the game and there's a guy who's like, yo, give me the ball, I'll run the show. You know, I think uh, this is something, if Quinn Cook, if who could shoot better than Nico if he had this kind of vibe I think it would have it would have helped him a lot to where if he could just be like yo I'm in control of this I got the ball I'm making a play and I'm fine with that 
uh, he just he has some of that, right? He this is this type of thing you saw in Nico that made people think he was a first round pick, a lottery pick at some point in his uh in his journey, right? It, like it was like, yo, this dude had he he's a lottery pick. Uh, so there there's just something there. Like like I said, like you could exploit him, and if he's not making his shot. You kind of got to give it a short leash, but man, when he's on, you're like, yo, the passes will be made for a team that loves to pass. Like there, here's a guy whose movement and vision and understanding of just how to play the game is going to help your movement, right? If he's got the ball, it's not, there was a stretch in the, in the second, uh, second unit when, when Utah went on his run, it was because it was like a, it was like a, uh, uh, Ubre post up. Uh, I think it might have been like a Pascal one-on-one, but there was no movement. It was just guys like, okay, it's my turn to try. And then, okay, it's my turn to try. It's one-on-one. It was no movement. They wasn't really running a set. But a guy like Nico, if he's in there with the ball in his hands, he's just going to do things to promote the very thing Steve Kerr wants, right? It's movement. It's passing. It's energy. So I, I, I think he could play. I just think his shot needs to get better. And I worry about his defense, right? Like you could just go at him, but I mean, if Utah, Utah is a really good team, yo. Like, <laughs> I don't think this team is a fluke. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think this is the the usual regular season Utah, right? Like, this team is good, man. Like, they are good. That was against Conley. He was playing against, right? Like, that was against Conley. He was doing that against. So, I just think something is there. It might take a it might take some time to cull it, but they just haven't had a player who just feels as comfortable with the ball in his hands and on the floor like 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 Nico. It's just been a while. Normally it's like, all right, you just spot up and wait for like Andre to get you the ball, right? Like or wait for Sean. You know what I'm saying? Like they haven't Oh, you know what? Who's you know who the last guy was uh uh D Lo <laughs> Yeah, D'Angelo Russell brief, was the last brief run. That's the last guy who's like, "Yo, Breonte give me the ball." Weber? No, no. Nah, he was. Yeah, he wasn't like that. They all he just get a little. He was shook. just like a defensive. Absolutely. Pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. McCaw wanted to be that. Bro. Oh man, facts, right? <laughs> he he wanted it bad. Um, wanted it so bad he left for Cleveland. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about uh, t- two more things. So, you know, obviously Steph goes 32 on his birthday and has a nice moment with his kid afterwards. Draymond Green has the triple-double and was great. I thought he was everywhere defensively, steals, tips, everything. Um, but Andrew Wiggins must be mentioned, probably the player. That Andrew Wiggins, yes. <laughs> tw- 28 points on 12 of 16 shooting, defended. Donovan Mitchell well said, I asked him post-game about the All-Star break refreshing his body. He said, yeah, like, you know, it just took away all the soreness and everything that clearly seemed to really be sapping his aggression to the rim, right, before the break. There was a lot more of that today, getting to the rim. Uh, I want to give you the floor because you are you you have stronger <laughs> Andrew not, Wiggins opinions than anybody in the market. So I'm not, deliver I'm not whatever taking you want. the bait. I'm not taking the bait. I know. <laughs> I've been properly advised that this is what Andrew Wiggins does, right? And don't get too gassed about the games where he goes twelve for sixteen, right? Like don't get too. I, all I'm saying is. They needed this game so much, and he showed up so much that I'm I'm like, all right, we, I'm ten games. I'm gonna give you, you ten. You're games. raising the bar. You're raising. The bar. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm taking it away. Like if you just come through in the games where they need you, all right, I'll take I'll take the bar away. You got to pass for the next five times. <laughs> you don't. So you're giving you him five dull games after. Yeah, this I'm before, like, right? go ahead, man. You get you, this was the this was the game that this was the type of game that would be that's frustrated about Wiggins. You want to know what's funny though about Wiggins? At least like from from my early coverage of him, he usually does it. He usually goes in chunks where he plays well for like ten in a row, twelve in a row, and then he plays poorly for ten in a row, twelve in a row. Right? He went like a whole month playing well where we were two way Wiggins. The shot blocking and the scoring, and then he and then was basically yeah. terrible for February. Although you know, so okay March is it? You saying March is lit? I don't know. I mean, all I'm saying if is March like, is I've lit. Then seen I'm him chill on him for April. Then, <laughs> yeah, I've usually seen him go chunk out. You know, and and I think Wolves fans will tell you that too, or Wolves followers at least. Like, you know, he'll go. He'll start a season first fourteen games looking like an all star, and then 
boop, fall off the cliff the next 15 games. I mean, uh, I, last subject. I do think, I do think just if I, but, you know, I'm going to give him a pass, but I do think what we saw tonight probably won't be a 12 for 16, but it, I think that I think there could be more manipulation to get towards that. Just to drive into the basket, picking the moments, right? Understanding time and situation. Like even Kerr is like, yo, calling timeouts, right? Using the timeouts to get guys' minds a little quick break and remind them of what they need to do, right? And they come out of the timeout with something. Like I do think you can coax more of these better decision type games from Andrew Wiggins because to me tonight it was just a matter of deciding to go do it but he showed up against Utah when they were losing four in a row and if this was a game that they could easily lose and they've lost worse games of this right where they put together a good game and then blew it at the end and he was a big reason why they didn't blow it so Wiggins you get a pass from me Okay, last subject, Clay Thompson talked today. A little bit out of nowhere. Uh, he, he was, as an injured player, is supposed to talk once. He kind of, to be honest, passed up those duties many times when he was asked uh, in the first half of the season. But he popped up on Zoom and gave 17 great minutes uh, of an interview, an honest interview discussing his Achilles rehab, the moment it happened, which he, we didn't really – we didn't have – clarity exactly how the Achilles injury happened. He said it was a two dribble pull-up jumper where it just popped, um, which uh, that was revealing, I thought. And uh, he, I asked him about his target for next season. He said opening night is the target, but he knows it might be a few weeks into the season, might be a month into the season, but he wants it to be pretty early next season when he returns. And then I thought he gave a really revealing answer about it's going to be 18 to 20 minutes. It's going to yeah. be – you know, light for a little bit, but also he has this, he won't let himself not return to this all NBA player. I think I'm going to play all 17 minutes at the end of this podcast. It was that good of an interview and he's that crucial of a piece. And this season you so rarely hear his voice as fans. I think it's worth it. Just put the whole thing on the end of our podcast. Um, But from your perspective, before I kick it to clay and end our portion of this podcast, what do you think from, from what you heard uh, from clay? Man, to be honest, man, I really think this is a it's 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 really interesting and uh, just watching these dudes grow up, man. Clay sounded like a grown man today. He sounded like a guy who has got some texture in his life that wasn't there. You know, he's been through struggle. He's been through hurt. He's not ashamed to talk about it. And it was just like it was really honest. Right. It was just it was it was the fact that he just did it was part of it, right? Like Clay doesn't do this. (laughs) He doesn't, he doesn't. And even when like they kind of make him do his obligation, like, you know, you could, you could get a couple candid things out of Clay, but after that, he's going to try to cut it short and dip. But this is a dude who has been through some things and is older, has grown, like is a grown man. And like the vulnerability, like we seen Clay, where stardom, where celebrity, where NBA uh, fandom, as well as anybody, right? It's why people love Clay because he just lives his best life, and the the true integrity of of who he is. Like he's wearing vulnerability just as well, right? He's wearing struggle just as well. Like you can see him just being authentic, even in coming off of what he said was the worst year of his life. So it was just good to hear Clay you know, talk like a guy who's been through some things and, you know, is growing up and is being honest with you, right? And and keeping it one hundred like that's that's who I expect that's who I want to see Clay become. And as he gets older, you just know he's gonna be this great kind of voice for what's real and what's true and what he feels and like like I think this is kind of the we we're seeing Clay like grow up and I I just I I'm just listening to this dude and remembering he's the guy who came in in 2011 and like yo this is Clay like you know how hard it is to get him to talk like this and there he was like when when you when you asked him like when when's he thinking of coming back and he was like yeah open a day but it might be a month after that like <laughs> that was the most honest Clay would be like yeah open a day what why would you even ask but he's like man I'm I'm gonna give it to you real. I just thought that it was it was it was good to see, man. It was just it was a refreshing thing to hear, like just how Clay, what Clay is like at thirty and having been through things, right? And this is why Steph and them 
can't wait for him to get back because he's just he's just a real dude. Well, with that, I'll kick it to Clay Thompson. Here's that Brown, I think, 17 minutes of, of answers to varying questions that he takes, varying places. At one point, you know, mentions Tony Robbins and swimming in the in the cold water bay. It was it was interesting. So here is that, and we will talk to you later this week. Clay, how you doing, man? <clears throat> it's uh, Jason Dumas with Crown Force Sports. Um, I guess can you just take us through the initial thought process? You know, uh, once you found out that you had tore your Achilles, obviously. Aside from physical pain, I'm sure it's just a mental grind having to go through a whole nother year of re- rehab. What was the thought process behind that? And um, <clears throat> where were you mentally shortly after the injury? Yeah, man, thanks for reminding me. Well, uh, uh, it's something I really don't like to visit, revisit too much <clears throat> because it was not, it was very painful. Feels like someone kicks you in the back of your heel as hard as they could. And um, it just happened on a true dribble pull-up jump shot, a move I do 100 times a day. So uh, it was just an unfortunate series of events, nothing I could have ever prepared for nor prevented. I was working my butt off for 10 months up to that point, and it's just uh, you got to go back to the drawing board. I knew I did it right away, and it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's in the past, but I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting better every day. Hey, what step in the rehab process are you at right now? I got my boot off. I'm walking. I'm doing calf raises. I'm in the hydro works. So uh, I've been doing a lot of mobility work, a lot of balance. I'm not running yet, but uh, I'm running in the treadmill underwater, and um, that's good for my psyche. And uh, from here, it's just going to keep getting more intense and and – more active, so I'm looking forward to that part. Is your current target opening night of next season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it could be a few weeks after, maybe a month after, but uh, it's definitely going to be geared toward the very beginning of the season. Clay, when you talk about your psyche, can you even put into words how much of a challenge this is to have the ACL injury and then the Achilles? Just what have you gone through? It's a great question, Kareth. It's way harder than any basketball game I've ever had to play. Um, way harder than any conditioning drill or practice. The mental toll is not very fun. You know, you always guess if you're going to be the same player you once were. So you have those natural thoughts, but you can't let those overtake you. And you got to realize that every athlete, I'm, this is not unique just to me. So many athletes have been through this. And um, although I was used to playing, you know, 100 games a year for the first eight years of my career, this is just a new set of challenges. And with my style of play, I feel like I can be effective till, you know, my late 30s. So I'm not going to feel sorry for myself right now. And I'm just going to keep buckling down and trying to get back to doing what I love to do. Clay, uh, I know you've been around the team a little bit more this season than last season. How's that been for you? How has that helped you during your rehab process? Oh, man, it's helped me tremendously. I mean, um, you know, I'm at the point in my career where I can lend my voice, and I know that – I know guys appreciate that. Even just being there on the road, just showing I'm committed, I know that goes a long way as well. Um, but it's nice when you get to grind with your teammates in the gym every day and you still feel like you're part of it. Um, it's been a weird two years for me. I uh, genuinely love the game so much. It's been hard to, you know, find a lot of happiness without it, but it's going to come back and it's just going to make me appreciate what I do that much more. Hi, Clay, I know you've spoken Jamie, with nice a few times. Um, go ahead, Jane. Hello, Jane. Hi, Clay. Sorry. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'm out in the wind still. Sorry, Monty. Hey. I couldn't hear very well. Um, Clay, nice to see you and just, which, from what you just said about being around the team this this time around, uh, is that just something you learn by going through the process? I mean, last year I'm sure it was was really hard not not being around. And are are you so really happy you you kind of approached it differently this this rehab? I was around last year. I just wasn't on the road as much. 
But um, I actually thought about you the other day, Janie. I, was, I went swimming in the bay for the first time in my life, fully wetsuited. And it was life-changing. It was amazing. I was like, I need to do this more often. So I know we talked about that triathlon swim. And I realized it's not that bad. The bay, you know, it gets a bad rep for being cold, but you get you invest in a nice wetsuit and it's life changing. So I, I'm going to incorporate that in my routine now. I mean, Tim Duncan swam his whole career and he played for 21 years. So these last few years have allowed me to look at things and reevaluate how I train and how I diet. That's for sure. So, you know, you got to as I'm getting older, I just got to do all the little things. Will you tell Raymond when you're ready for me to join you for a swim workout and we'll we'll do it, please? One day. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Time. So my question just changed now. What have you been able to do, Clay, to sort of keep your head space in a right in a good place? Uh, I'm able to get on the bike. I'm able to lift weights. I'm able to drive again. I'm able to walk without a boot and um shoot read books play chess and um watch a lot of movies i mean it doesn't help you know before i got hurt i realized all my hobbies revolved around me being athletic and these last two years have taught me i need to get some more hobbies that i don't know probably bring out bring out the creative side of me because the human body can turn on you unfortunately and you know, I love to play golf. I love to go biking. I love to go hiking. And I'm without that right now. So I just got to do other things and, you know, be, be patient with myself. What's your kind of uh, take on where this franchise is right now? You know, it's this transitional phase. Obviously, you guys have James uh, in there now. And, and where this thing is going as you return next season? Well, I anticipate us being right back in contention for a championship again um this year has been um tough obviously with uh the pandemic and you know so many new players on the team and i love our group though i think we have a great group these guys come to work every day they're eager to be great players and we still have so much basketball left to play so although our record doesn't reflect how good i think we are i think we will still make a run here and finish with a solid record and make a push in the playoffs. I love the guys on our team and I love James's ability. I think James is going to be a perennial all-star one day. He um, doesn't know how good he is yet. I mean, who does when they're 19 years old, but he just has physical abilities and talent that you just can't teach. So James is going to hopefully extend this dynastic run for years to come because he has that much ability in, in him. Hey, Clay, uh, Mark Medina here with USA Today. Good to see you. Um, what, do you up, take what, what do you take away from the, uh, the current and former NBA players that have had Achilles injuries in terms of success stories, but also challenges that awaited them when they came back? Um, I mean, from what I've read and what I've heard, you may lose 5% of your explosiveness, maybe 10%. But um, I see guys like KD, John Wall, my um, guy, DeMarcus, um, Wes Matthews, Jonas Jarebko, all these guys have come back to play at the level they were at or very close to it. And you can even look back in history to a guy like the human highlight reel, Dominique Wilkins. I've, I've uh, relied on Dominique for a lot of inspiration. I mean, he came back and led the league in scoring, won a Euro Cup or Euro League title years later. Um, or... You know, I talked to Grant Hill right after I got hurt, and I thought Grant was a great guy to reach out to because, like me, he was cut down in his prime. He had a crazy expectation. He was one of the greats of the 90s. You know, he was in that mold of MJ and Kobe, and he was one of the next special wings, and he ended up having an incredible Hall of Fame career. So, you know, leaning on Grant and seeing what he did after three years of his ankles being like glass uh, inspires me a lot to never give up. And believe it or not, I actually was able to talk to Tony Robbins right after I got hurt. And Tony talked to our champion. He talked to our team during the championship one in 2020, 2018. And uh, Mr. Robbins inspired me a lot to just um, never lose my soul and always be myself because 
um, like I've learned, the human body can give out on you, but your soul is up forever. Clay, Chris Alvarez from ABC7. I apologize. I'm getting on here a little late, but I saw Bob Myers on the radio spoke about a letter you received recently, uh, I think from a Sonoma basketball coach. Can you reveal mm -hmm. what was in that letter and why it's so important to you in your rehab? Oh, man, it was one of the greatest things I've read in a long time. Let me pull it up, man. It was incredible. This man... It was honestly, guys, it was, it made me realize why I, I, I get to do what I do. Um, my guy, Jeff Bird, he played at, let me see, the College of the Redwoods and Coach Treglon, who was his coach, emphasized ball movement, player movement, and being a team. And unfortunately, his coach passed away about 10 years ago. And Jeff emailed me saying, you know, him, him and his teammates from uh, community college ball still have a group chat, still talk to each other. And they bonded over our style of play with starting with our 2015 championship run. And he said how much coach Treglon would love to watch our team play. He said, we were the example of um, just ball movement, player movement, great coaching, everybody buying in and, just to hear, just to get that email and from Jeff and hear how he knows that would make his old coach feel good about watching us play, that made me feel real good because um, when you play at the community college level, you got to love basketball. And for a coach to give his time and preach the same values we that Coach Kerr did, I thought that's really special. And Jeff was funny in his letter. He was like, you know, from an old 39-year-old, just – Hope your mind's right and we're watching and we appreciate what you've done. That uh that meant a lot to me because um I know we have a great influence, but uh you just never know um who's watching and that was cool. Clay, it's great to see you again, man. Uh thanks, buddy. It's good to be back here, believe it or not. You played at such a high level for so long, but from a human standpoint, when the second injury happened. How many times have you gone through in your mind, like, I can't believe what the hell is happening again? Man, it was uh, – when it happened, in my mind I knew it happened, but um, I wasn't even that emotional because my heart – my heart wouldn't uh, accept it at the time. I was hoping for a calf strain or something, but, um, you know, I was just doing what I always do every summer. I was in the weight room. I was getting shots up. I was doing two-a-days and the stuff fans don't see. And, uh, you know, I was so eager to come back to the court after a year away. And when I got hurt, I was playing the best basketball I life. So that's why it's been tough for me because I was in the prime of my career. I get cut down. I got to build up the muscle atrophy and get back to where I'm at. Then it happens again. It's just a new challenge, and mentally it was real hard at first. But luckily for me, I got great teammates and Dre, Steph, and the first person who actually texted me was Joe Lakeup, and I could feel in his text that Joe was hurt for me. He's so competitive, and he knows how much I love it. I got a text from his whole family. Bob, I called Bob, and it was just a tough day, guys. It was uh, basketball for me. Is you know, it's been my life, and to be without it for two years just makes me appreciate the Iron Man like career I had up to this point, and hopefully I can get back to that. Clay, uh, this is uh, Mark Spears, man. Good to see you, um, so Mark. Fun fact: Mark was the first interviewee or interviewer that <laughs> had him in Bay Area existence. So that was cool. I still o go to Valley some days. Oakland Grill, baby. Oh yeah, Oakland Grill. I don't know what you remember what you had, but that was a good good breakfast. I, don't, I was just happy to be there. <laughs> well, you've come a long way. <laughs> um, how has the pandemic made it challenging for you in terms of getting into the gym and, and just personally, how have you, uh, what, what kind of challenges has it offered you? Oh, man, it was just lonely. I mean, I think everybody was going through it. You know, you took for granted your daily routines, whether it was getting breakfast in the morning or going to a movie at night. So I would just, I would get a, I had a gym access down in the OC, which was real nice in the stance headquarters, but 
the pandemic, I mean, 2020 was just such a year of reckoning, not only for the pandemic, but for the social justice. I mean, we lost so many innocent people to violence. It was awful. Kobe going out and Gigi. And then on top of that, in the fall, I tear my Achilles. It was just probably the worst year of my life, guys. Lost my grandmother. So it feels good to be back here. I feel love when I'm back in the Warriors facility. I, my roots are here, and um, the pan, it was not easy on anybody. Everyone had their own little trials and tribulations through 2020, but um, that was it for me, was losing my grandma Mary, tearing my Achilles, and, uh, I mean, I still think about Kobe every single day. There's not a day I don't think about him and not being able to have that last convo with him and just – it was a tough year, guys, not only for me, but I'm sure for all of you. And it was just uh, I'm looking forward to the future. That's for sure. Let's go with one, uh, one yeah. more. Go ahead, Anthony. Looks like you have one. one yeah. How, how does next season look for you? I mean, do you plan to come back and, you know, lightly kind of get back into the mix or just what are you thinking? I'll be honest with you guys. I don't expect to come back and just boss the wall. 38 minutes a night, guarding the best player, running around 100 screens. I'm going to get to that point. I guarantee that. But I've talked to Rick Celebrini about a lot. It might be 20 minutes to start the season, 18 minutes, like a limits restriction. We'll see where I'm at. This is usually a 12-month process with the Achilles, and that will take me to mid-November. So I'm not even sure, Anthony. I just try to take it day by day. and But I plan on being the all-NBA player I was I will not settle for anything less I'm too competitive to just take a relegated role no nah, it's not me I'm gonna be too, yeah I'm too too fiery just to come out there and just give you a 13 a game on 20 minutes no nah, I'm gonna go out there and I can't wait man I got a lot of pent-up energy I got a lot of pent-up aggression I just want to play basketball so when that happens it will be a joyous day for not only me but for everybody including you guys all right. Good talk, fellas. I'll see y'all when, I don't know, when it's allowed. There you go.